In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. You can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. Now, the show doesn't only bring thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what the show is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations, what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live. We're on every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we're all over the net on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify and many more. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even help propel your career. Now, if you want to reach out to me, reach out to me at leadershipbmboarders at gmail and tell me what you'd like to hear on this podcast. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now on to today's episode. You know, I was reading the other day, and according to Harvard Business Review, 90% of the business leaders cited that data literacy was key to their company's success, but only 25% of workers feel confident in their data skills. And then Harvard also noted some other statistics that were quite interesting. They suggest that nearly 9 out of 10 data scientists, professionals, are white and only 18% are women. Now, research from General Assembly indicates that when it comes to diversity, data science lags behind even other tech-oriented disciplines. Which brings us to the question, if leaders see data literacy as a critical building block to a company's success, why are they not focusing on it more? Why is the field not drawing more diverse workforce of experts? Now, achieving data literacy is a critical step for a company to become data fluent. It can be the key to their success because it really does. It helps employees and companies make data-driven decisions when it comes to customer needs, products, and services. But how do you develop a diverse, data-literate workforce? Our guest today has given this a lot of thought and is going to talk to us about how we do that. 
Matt Cowell serves as CEO at QuanHub, a leading data upskilling and assessment platform that helps companies create data literate workforce across the entire enterprise. Matt uses his wealth of experience as a product and tech executive to forge the company's strategy to address one of the most significant corporate challenges of the 2020s, and that's the data skill gap. Prior to QuantHub, Matt spent 15 years running product and tech at PE-backed companies, including building a product and engineering organization at Dexco, delivering 10 times the revenue growth, seven acquisitions, and three enormously successful recapitalizations. While at Daxco, Matt led the team to deliver the first machine learning AI solution to the gym and fitness market. Matt is passionate about facilitating the data fluency of individuals and organizations all over the world and loves focusing on the people side of the equation. So welcome to the show, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Kimberly. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like, I'm just reading your bio, I have a quick question. Um, so what 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 machine learning and AI was used for the gym fitness market? Yeah, there are a couple of things we developed. One of the things that's important to gyms is is their membership revenue. That's typically the economic engine for most gyms. And, and so um, retention of those members is is critical for them. So we actually develop predictive algorithms that that would let them know who's most likely to cancel their membership over the next 90 days so they could focus on engaging those members and and making sure that they are using the gym and, and getting value out of it so that they didn't cancel their membership. That's one yeah. example. Okay. Okay. No, I was just curious. I was just trying to think what, what it was be. Um, but moving on to kind of the, the more global picture, um, you know, the workforce has really changed and especially in the in the last 24 months. I mean, what, yeah. uh, I mean, what, what have you seen and, and why is data such a critical skill in the workforce? Well, I think through these unfortunate circumstances, it's really accelerated um, the digital transformation, if you will. And so it's, it's no longer optional to understand digital technologies. It's no under, no longer optional to understand um, how to use data in in our sort of day to day, and and so that's been a transformation that's been happening. But then, of course, you know, during the pandemic, where we're all working remotely and and having to learn how to how to just frankly work a little bit differently, um, it's really accelerated that. And so we're sort of at a at a we've been now at the, in the last maybe year at a crossroads where it's becoming it's becoming just absolutely mandatory for people to understand how to use data um, to work. And, and it doesn't mean they have to be data scientists or data engineers or professional analytics uh, people, but you know the amount of data that surrounds us every day is, is tremendous in each and every single role across a company. And so using that data is becoming critical to the success of companies, period. Mm-hmm. And and as you said, you know, we kind of got tossed into this uh, 24 months ago, uh, this digital transition that a lot mm-hmm. of us were not prepared for. OK. Right. And um, and so, you know, that the companies were, were tossed into it. Um, but the general employees, I mean, do, did when we were tossed into it, did they have the data skills and 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 do they have more data skills today, 24 months later than in the past? 
Well, cer- certainly. I mean, there's a, there's been a transition sort of afoot, if you will, in, in just overall, if, if we speak particularly in the tech side of, of companies, uh, certainly more and more people are coming out of school and, and, you know, going into the whatever profession they're going into, and they're going into that with more knowledge of data. Mm-hmm. And so there are schools, um, you know, for example, that um, some of the math curriculum is moving towards a more statistic-based curriculum instead of um, calculus in in some cases, and and so things like that are in the process of of really transforming really the population into getting people to have more data skills when they enter the workforce. And so that's you know that's a long-term transition, but that's. That is happening. Um, certainly, there are more programs now that focus on data science. For example, um, there are more people in um, in programs within computer science type majors that are focused on data engineering and dealing with big data. So, um, absolutely, there are there are more people in terms of the general applicant into, let's say, sales, marketing, um, finance, into these kinds of roles. Um, even in those particular cases. You know, schooling in this day and age um, is is certainly more data focused than it than it was in the past. So general applicants are coming to companies, particularly more entry level. They are coming with more data skills than they did in the past. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you do kind of think it in different compartments and different departments. You know, may have better or more data skills, but really. Um, even those general applicants, whether it's customer service or, or you said sales, I mean, I think mm-hmm. marketing is sometimes data-driven. It should be data-driven oh, anyway. So, um, <laughs> you know, the companies have to, have to, you know, why why should they really care about up once the people get in, even upskilling their workforce? Well, there's so many exam. I mean, there really are hard dollars here actually at play, and and there's there's a lot of research out out there that shows that talks about the ROI of being a more data driven enterprise. And so, at a high level, I'm just really looking sort of macro level within a company. There's research from Accenture that uh, that talks about more data driven companies. Um, the, the most data driven companies have a three to five. Uh, percent increase in their overall market cap, and so on. You know, a hundred million dollar company—that's a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. of money, and and so that's just a macro level example. But um, take marketing for example. You mentioned marketing is relatively data driven in this day and age. Um, data driven marketing generates a five x ROI um, for every dollar spent, whereas just traditional. Um, marketing, which you know wasn't necessarily as data driven, only generates a two x ROI, and so there's significant dollars here, um, sort of top line and bottom line um, for companies to think about investing in the entire enterprise having data skills, and and it really goes across all teams, like salespeople, mm-hmm. um, really understanding their territory, understanding what their best prospects look like, understanding um, where people are falling out of the, of the sales funnel. And a lot of that comes by understanding those things comes by looking, comes from looking at the data and mm-hmm. what is the data telling you. And then, you know, once you get that once you get those insights and that understanding that comes from data, you're making better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you're increasing the conversion rate from one step to the next in the sales funnel. And and so all of those things lead to just better productivity at an enterprise level. 
Okay. And what, what it was saying with the organizational side, um, you know, in the hiring process, how do you, how do you, for companies, how do they actually go about evaluating data skills? Well, honestly, I don't, they don't typically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, for, for, if you think about it in terms of sort of broad roles that companies are hiring for, I would say they don't typically do that. Mm -hmm. I do think that will change. Uh, but, you know, they don't, I don't see companies typically doing that. Now, some of our customers are thinking about that. Um, we have customers that use us for, um, they use our assessment platform for hiring. And, um, and they typically do that for data scientists and data engineers. Uh, but we also have assessments for data literacy. And they're thinking about rolling those out for sort of their general hires. Um, so that's, I think that's changing. But I don't think companies typically, typically do that. To the extent they should. Yeah. Um, do you think it's because because they just don't know how? Because you said you have your assessment, or they just don't think about it, or you know, it's the the importance is not cascading down to the HR, um, um, or it's, we're just not as far as we should be yet. <laughs> well, I, those are all good. Those are all good reasons. <laughs> I, I do think it's a combination of those. Uh, people aren't aware that there are ways to do that. Um, they aren't, you know, in some cases people aren't, aren't bought in or they aren't aware of the importance of those skills in, um, you know, really in each and every, every role. So a lot of these things that we're talking about right now are changing right now. Okay, <laughs> so people good. are becoming more and more aware of this. I mean, if you, if you follow the data literacy movement, for example, like I do, you really see. Um, that this is changing and people are becoming more and more aware. I think I think back to when computers and um, you know became sort of prevalent in the workforce in the 1990s. Uh, people weren't necessarily interviewing for those skills early yeah. on, uh, but at some point they started. <laughs> they yeah. it be they became table stakes, right? It became something that everyone needed to have, and I, I think that's where we're headed here. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, we're going to take a short break, Matt. And when we come back, I want to, I want to, uh, just talk about what is considered data, data literacy. Okay, and then talk about how you do develop your company. Um, uh, sure. Okay, so we're going to take a short break, and for our listeners, we are talking with Matt Cowell, and he's the CEO at QuantHub, a leading data upskilling and assessment platform that helps companies create a data literate workforce for the entire enterprise. Matt uses a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he was a product and tech executive, and he uses this knowledge to forge strategies to address the significance of data skills across a company. He's passionate about facilitating the data fluency of individuals and organizations all over the world and loves focusing on the people side. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of Matt, you can first go to the website, quanthub.com, and they are also on Facebook under at Quant Hub Software. And if you'd like to reach out to Matt himself, he's on LinkedIn under Matt Cowell and on Twitter under Matt Cowell and that's C-O-W-E-L-L. -L. And this show is also brought to you by Cinda and Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, legislative white papers focused on digital 
so go to www.cinda.org for more information. And Cinda also has a fantastic online learning uh, platform in cooperation with Boss Capital. And this is for product developers or startups. And you can learn more about that platform on www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about data and data literacy and how important data is for companies today. And we're talking with an expert in this field, Matt Cowell, and he is the CEO at QuantHub, a leading data upskilling and assessment platform that helps companies create a data literate workforce across the entire enterprise. And so, Matt, we're just, you know, before the break, we're kind of talking about the, the general environment right now um, um, and, and in organizations and how data literate they are. But how, how do you really, what is data literacy? How do you define that? Yeah, there are a lot of definitions that are out there, and, and a lot of the definitions have come from sort of an IT angle, and and I think maybe necessarily aren't helpful to the broad kind of masses, the sales, marketing, um, finance, operations type people. So I like to kind of pare it back from the technical side and 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 really think of data literacy as just a person's awareness of the data around them. Um, the ability to understand that data, what is, you know, w- what are the d- types of data, what are possible uses of that data, and then use that data to communicate, um, to work, and and really to even live more effectively. Um, so there's data just around us everywhere. Right now, my voice is data um, because there's a device in the next room listening listening to me, waiting for me to say her name. <laughs> I won't <laughs> say it. Um, but, you know, there's just data everywhere around us. And so it really starts with awareness of just understanding that there's data around us and and then being thinking about it more deliberately and how we might use it um, at work and in our communication and just in general life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so when when companies are striving for 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 kind of this, uh, um, I'd say you know across the emper- en- enterprise more data literate workforce, how you know a lot of legacy companies don't have that right now. Even as you said, new hires are coming in, and they're a little bit more data literate than maybe somebody mm-hmm. who was hired twelve years ago. Right. How do companies start to develop skills across the workforce? 
Well, I think unfortunately, in when it comes to upskilling or or training, um, when companies realize there's a skill gap, they do typically one thing: um, they look for one-time training. And and what I mean by that is they they look for a course or some some form of of training that they can have employees go through and typically sit through, you know, maybe a few hours. So something that takes a relatively lengthy amount of time and have them sit through it once and sort of check a box. Um, think about all the information security training. So anytime you go to a new company, <laughs> what, do you, mm-hmm. what is one of the first things you do? You go through um, and sit and watch a bunch of information security videos. Yeah. And then you check a box to say, I watched them and and then you're done. And unfortunately, that's what companies tend to do when it comes to most things. Um, and, and data skills is certainly one of them. Um, that doesn't work, mind you, but that's what companies do. So, so I mean, when you think about that, you're right. That's what they do, okay? Um, and and at the same time that they're doing that, we have a new generation and the learning approaches have changed, okay? So how, what kind of, how can they do a better data literacy program to, to really ensure that their employees lift their skills in that area? Yeah, absolutely. This type of thing, I mean, this is a each and every employee in the company kind of problem. This is mm-hmm. not just a you know 10% of the workforce. This is all of the workforce. And so what that what that really means is it's a culture change. And culture changes don't come from um, you know one hour training courses. It comes from a, an entire change in behaviors. And yes, the people need skills in order the the appropriate skills in order to change their behaviors. But it needs to be viewed differently. It needs to be viewed as something that is a continuous, ongoing journey. And and so there are there are plenty of platforms out there that are learning platforms. Um, not necessarily in data, but that that treat things this way. Take the language learning platforms. Um, most of those platforms are what you call a micro learning platform where you learn a little bit every day. And they leverage things that we know about the human brain in in their approach to learning in that you learn something on one day and then you need to revisit it soon after. Mm-hmm. And so they'll put things back in front of you so that you don't forget them. Because our just the way our brains are wired is right after we learn something is the we have a great tendency to forget it within a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so those micro learning platforms where you learn a little bit every day, those types of platforms facilitate a culture change because it's top of mind. It's a continuous journey. You're learning information every day and then using it on the job. And so these are the types of things and processes that lead to culture change, not just rolling out a a one hour intro to data literacy um, training program. So how does, is that how, how would your, when you go in to help companies, how does your program work? Okay. If I come in to you and I say, Hey Matt, Look, I think we have some skills, but it's it's really not at scale across the company. And I'd like to, you know, bring us a level up. How does that work? Sure. Yeah, it starts with really awareness at the executive and and management level, awareness of the importance of data skills, so that they can, um, you know, walk walk the walk and lead by example. And so that's more of a just kind of part of the rollout of making sure everyone understands the value of data skills and is bought into that type of transformation. And so that's really, um, you know, not necessarily a technology thing. That's you know starting a sort of human capital transformation by 
um, introducing executives and leadership into the importance of data. And, and so that's really the first step in any kind of transformation. And then it, it does get to the broader employees um, and it starts with awareness as well. And at that point, you know, that's where for, for us, we have a, a learning platform that's focused on data and data literacy skills, and it's focused on learning in 10 to 15 minutes a day. And so what what we try to do is is fit into the quote unquote white space of an employee's day, something that they they actually can do on a daily basis, as opposed to, you know, trying to find four hours a week or whatever it might be for a training course. That's mm. almost impossible in this day and age. Everyone's too busy. <laughs> yeah. We all we all our schedules are we, we have we're all meeting doubt, right? We have too many meetings on our schedule yeah. and we can't find time for that. And so we're trying to fit into the white space um, in, in each employee's day. So if I was an employee, I was going through this program because you said um, you're trying to help them build the data literacy skills. So could you just explain to me what a data literacy skill would be? I mean, intuitively, I know. But, um, uh, you know, for our listeners, you know, um, what what do those skills look like? Sure. Yeah. I, so a, a good, I, I like to use examples of of understanding um, just general data literacy. So um, maybe you're in a customer support role and and you're actually um, you're creating data every day because you're entering customer support cases into a CRM system. And typically you go in and you enter just the default answers. You don't you don't really fill out most of the fields and you write a couple notes and, and move on with your day into the to the next case. And and so data quality is an element of data literacy, understanding your role in data quality. And so that customer support rep, what's what's unfortunately happening is there's data that came from that conversation that's being lost because mm. all they're really doing is they're going yeah. in and they're filling default values for the case. And and they're not writing very good notes. And the reason for that is they don't understand um, number one their role in the data quality lifecycle, but number two they don't understand maybe use cases for that data. Where might that data be used downstream uh, from from their role? Those are a couple examples of of you know I talked earlier about awareness and is a big part of data literacy. Those are a couple things where just general awareness of that changes their behavior. And mm -hmm. so that's just one example of, of data literacy skills. Certainly you talk about um, data storytelling, of being able to um, present, make decisions based off of data, um, understand understand simple insights. You know, there, there are a lot of ways to think about um, data literacy, but, you know, that's one example I tend to go to that, um, you know, it really distills it down into just something that happens every day for a customer support rep. Now that that's a perfect example, and it popped in my head this other example because um, in marketing, um, I, I think a skill would be really be able to read the data rather than assume something. Um, because I've seen a lot of that in 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 marketing with employees that that you know they they go in with a assumption and instead of actually being able to understand what the data is saying. Um, they come out going in the same direction that they wanted to go in in the first place, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes into a lot of, um, in a lot of different areas, you know, we all tend to have some form of, of KPI or goal that we're, mm. we're, you know, trying to achieve. And, and if there's, 
if there's not a great understanding of of the outcome you're actually trying to achieve, not just the number, then oftentimes you'll achieve a number and miss the outcome. Yeah. And that's, again, because there's uh, maybe not enough kind of data literacy knowledge when you're setting um, those KPIs. You can some sort sometimes you get the behavior you're measuring, right? Oftentimes. So yeah. when you're setting when you're setting those things, whether it be in support or in sales or in marketing, um, it's, you know, having strong data literacy skills is imperative to make sure you actually get the outcome you're looking for. Yeah. Good. I like that. Get the get the behavior you're measuring. That's good. Okay. Um, <laughs> before, before we're going to take a break soon, and before this, I want to address one thing when we're talking about lifting skills. Okay. And in the intro, I I talked about the the articles I read on diversity in in this area. Okay. And I'm talking more about data experts or um, mm -hmm. not right. necessarily data data scientists. And why why do you think this field is not as diverse as it should be. I mean, we know a lot of tech fields are not as diverse as they should be, but some are better than the others. And this, the, the numbers I read in this and and data scientists area and this area are really bad. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, and I, I think if you if you think about these roles, like take data science for example, data science is really a combination of of a number of STEM type of type of skills. Mm -hmm. Um, it's math, it's statistics, which is you know really a subset of math, and it's programming and and manipulating large data sets. So it's a combination of things where there is already significant underrepresentation from different segments of the population in math, in statistics, in programming. And so yeah. it's almost like the a perfect storm, if you will, of those the multiple areas contributing to that. Whereas if you look at just tech, for example, and maybe let's specifically talk about programming or development, that's really just one area that um, one area of skills, um, whereas data science is a combination of a few areas, each of which has its own diversity problem. Mm -hmm. And and so that just can it sort of exacerbates the situation. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, if you read uh, plenty of research on K through 12 education, um, there are a lot of reasons for this and a lot of reasons why people don't get into STEM fields that are um, females or, or in minority groups. And there, so there are a lot of systemic problems here. Um, but I think it, it all is exacerbated when it comes to data roles because it's a combination of areas that each have that problem. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, and, and you're, and thanks. I was very interested in your opinion because, um, you know, in a lot of diversity things I work on, you know, we're, we're focusing, I do think the, the, the K to 12 plays a big role, especially in gender, you know, um, and, um, there are programs for, for girls in K to 12 and, and STEM programs, um, right. But you know they're gonna they're gonna take another generation to get there. You know? Absolutely. So, uh, so, uh, okay. When one thing that's happening in, in education is is that we are moving, and and you see companies doing this where like Facebooks, the Googles of the world, in some cases they have their own sort of post high school education programs that don't even require college, and they're much more focused on the, the relevant skills that are needed. Mm -hmm. And I do think that movement is going to that movement is going to help and that we will focus more on the skills and there will be alternative ways to get those skills that don't require, 
going to prestigious university A or B where, you know, that that is a challenge to to increase that number for lots of reasons. It could be cost. It could be um, the demographics they pull from. It could be the area of the country or the area of the world. And and so focusing more on skills, I do think over time. Um, is going to help. I mean, this is a big problem. It's going to take a while to fix it, but I do think that will help. Yeah, and I think I think um, we're going to take a break now. But just a last comment on that. I think it's important, and I think I think um, the U.S. has been a little behind in that. Um, you know, the German systems we have here have um, you know post high school education that really are technical you know technical schools and focusing on the schools. Right. Um, and and um, you know the systems here are a little bit different in Europe, and I and I think I'm just seeing U.S. starting to 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 adjust some of that learning process. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. Um, but Matt, we're going to take a short break, and um, when we come back, I I, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about data and privacy, and I want to talk about where AI fits in all this, too. Okay. Um, and for our listeners, we're talking with Matt Cowell, and he is the CEO at QuantHub, a leading data upskilling and assessment platform that helps companies create data literate workforces across the entire enterprises. Matt has a wealth of knowledge and experience as a product and tech executive, and he helps forge his strategy to address the most significant corporate challenges of the 20s, and that's the data skill gap. And if you'd like to learn more about Matt and his company, go to www.quanthub.com. And they're also on Facebook under Quant Hub Software. And if you want to get in touch with Matt himself, you can go to find him on LinkedIn, Matt Cowell, and it's C-O-W-E-L-L. And he's also on Twitter at Matt Cowell. And you are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, which is one of Europe's largest nonprofit associations, forging digital transitions across all kinds of enterprises and SMBs. They have a live conference coming up in Mallorca, Spain, May to 16th, May 16th to 18th, 2022. So go there and check them out under www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about data and data literacy and how important that is for everybody today and how important it is for companies. And we're talking with Matt Powell, and he's the CEO at QuantHub, a leading data upskilling assessment platform that helps companies create a data literate workforce across the entire enterprise. And Matt, before, you know, we've been talking about before the break, um, lifting data skills, okay, and, and data skills across um, uh, people as well as, as companies. But just first question, um, is there, are you seeing any industries that are really plowing forward where the, these skills are more important than other industries? Or is it pretty much, do we live in a world where it's important all over now? Well, I definitely think it's important all over. And, and I mean, if you think about the proliferation of data, it's not just in one particular area. Um, certainly, you know, some of the high tech fields tend to hire more data um, literate and, and data driven people just because they have a more technical workforce. But if you think about um, fintech, you think about um, the financial industry and generally banks, um, you know, certainly there's a lot of data flowing through the corporate centers at, at banks. Um, you think about insurance, same thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of data flowing through um, the enterprise that insurance companies focused on on claims and and actually predicting. Um, it's sort of it was the, maybe a predecessor to data science, if you will, of of really predicting um, insurance rates and and that type of thing. And and so those are a couple examples. Um, even manufacturing, though, I, I honestly, is is an area that um, that is focusing on this, and and it's an area where, oftentimes, so you know, we're actually an offshoot of an of a consulting company focused on data science. That's that's kind of where we got our start, and that company was doing data science consulting for um, iron and steel manufacturing companies. And if you go on the in the in the plant and ask people how they how they know when to add more of a, a particular ingredient you know they're doing it based on gut and experience and 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 the look of things and and that's not necessarily um, going to always lead to the best results and so even those types of organizations that you wouldn't think would be focused on becoming more data driven are and it's mm -hmm. and it's just you have to do so to compete yeah, yeah, that that that's interesting. Um, uh, because I was thinking of here a big Czech a company here, uh, Liberty Steel, which does does depend a lot on data in the steel industry. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you know, but when I think about you know, I think a lot of people think when they think of data, they'll think about you know our experiences on the internet, and 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 you know, we know that every time we hit a cookie or agree to a cookie and things like that. You know, they're collecting data and, and there's so much hype about how much data is being collected there. Um, and it's important. It's important for marketing. It's important for a lot of things. But but we also have that balance between data and privacy. Do you see that? I mean, we already have kind of a conflict now. Um, where do you see this train going? Well, I mean, it's changed a lot over our lifetimes, right? Yeah. And what we are actually willing to accept and and I think the reason that it's the reason that has changed is because we get value 
out of out of allowing people to use our data. Um, and that comes in the form of personalization. You know, think about think about the even the devices you use to to heat and cool your home. Um, those are based on your data. Those are based on your habits. And and um, and those t- that you get value out of that, right? It actually decreases your bill. Um, in the future, um, automo- automobile insurance rates. Um, most of us are are asked by our um, insurance providers if we want to use their mobile app or use a device in the car that actually measures um, measures our driving habits, good or bad. And <laughs> and they're where this is going is that they're going to use that data. Um, to actually start setting rates, and and that's mm-hmm. where this is headed, and and so in some cases like that, it's not going to be optional. Um, I, they will actually increase your rates if you don't opt in, and 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 in other cases, um, you know, there will be more of an opt-in style, like a lot of the a lot of the regulations that happened recently, or the changes I should say to Apple's App Store um, now does not allow. Um, organizations like Facebook to and and Google to share cookie data across platforms unless you opt in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there will continue to be those things, but people are opting in because they get value out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's always it's interesting because it's so controversial, especially here in Europe. And and you know, um, we need it. You're right. We get value out of it, but then. We're also a little bit more cautious, but um, moving yeah. moving on, because uh, you talked about you know which industries might be moving. Let's talk about people. I mean, there's what about the rise of the citizen data scientists? Okay, well, you know, I've heard this before. What does that mean? And you know what is that? Yeah, so it, it's it's a term. I'm not a, a huge fan of that term, citizen data scientist. So maybe I'll turn that back to you, Kimberly. Are you? Would you consider yourself a citizen data scientist? I seriously doubt it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, I, what is, I why not? not? Is it does it sound pretty high tech? Yeah, it just sounds like. I mean, I'm not a. I'm not ignorant about data, but I'm certainly not a data scientist. So I'm looking at the word scientist. You know. Right. <laughs> kind of, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think that term was is, was created again by IT focused organizations that are that are trying to get the point across that we all need data skills and that we're all involved in creating data, analyzing data, and it's not just this select group of people. And and that's where I think that came from. But that's the term um, makes it sound super techie, and that we all will be have to be highly technical in the future in order to participate in the workforce. And I don't think that's reasonable, possible, necessary. <laughs> and and so I think it's a matter of uh, we all need data literacy skills and we all need to be able to ask questions and answer those questions with data ourselves. And, and that doesn't mean we have to be data scientists to do so. It could just be Um, answering a question by, you know, we were talking about the marketing or sales funnel earlier. You know, why are people falling out of of the sales funnel at a particular stage? Well, I can go look at that data. I don't have to be a data scientist to go look at the data and try to figure that out. That's where I think that the citizen data scientist term is supposed to be pointing, but it's, (laughs) I think it's a, it's a little bit misleading. 
Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it's the word scientist that scared me. You know, of course, what I mean? yeah, um, yeah, for sure. It's like uh, I'm, I'm certainly not a scientist. So <laughs> don't sell yourself short. I think you're, you're probably better than you realize. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, and talking about scientists, uh, I'd like to move into AI. So, mm-hmm. you know, where does AI fit in this whole new scheme of of things? So, I mean, AI is done by a, a select group of, of um, and that, that is obviously a highly technical role. Um, mm-hmm. Data scientists are people that are involved in, in doing AI. Um, data engineers are involved in, in getting the data and prepping the data and being able to implement um, AI models and whatnot. But so AI is involved in, in all kinds of areas of business. You you asked me earlier at the very beginning what we were doing in the gym industry, and we were you know we were predicting um, members that were likely to cancel their membership. Uh, we were also predicting members that were likely to donate to the nonprofit gym in some cases. Um, obviously, you all you know every everyone talks about self driving. When we think about AI, oftentimes we think about self driving, and certainly that is a use case of AI, but. Um, the devices that are listening to my voice right now, waiting to respond, um, that's, it's using um, voice recognition. And, um, and so that's another form of, of AI, trying to tie what I'm saying to an intent and so that it has the ability to respond. And so all of these things, these are um, just examples of, of using AI, um, certainly Amazon and the likes are using AI to predict what I'm like most likely to buy next, and they're using mm-hmm. it in inventory planning. So there's so many use cases of that. Where it fits in an organization is you will typically have data scientists, data engineers, and in, in an advanced analytics organization, but the rest of the company is contributing data that that organization is using. Yeah. So models are built on data that, you know, in, in looking for patterns in data. And so that data comes from the rest of the company usually, and people need to understand their role in that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I mean, it is, it's, it's surrounded from, you know, we, we don't even realize how much AI is around us already, you know, and sometimes, oh, absolutely. yeah. And I mean, people get kind of nervous about that because they'll think about, you know, robotic hand or something that, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've no, seriously, I mean, that's, you know, you have of course, yeah. somebody that, but, uh, and, but, um, you know, it's crazy, but anyways, Matt, we're getting, we're getting, to, um, towards the end of our show, which is, this has been really a blast talking to, um, um, even though I'm not a data scientist, no, but, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, neither am I. <laughs> so, um, so we get a lot of, we have a lot of, you know, it, our, listeners out there that are leaders and leading companies, okay? Um, so if you had to to give them a tip, you know, maybe two, your top two to three tips on, on how to help move their companies forward, okay? Um, to, in making sure that across their, uh, across their enterprise, people are more data literate. What would those, what would those be? Yeah, so rather than any sort of prescriptive program that they should go through, I think it really starts with being inquisitive. And and so as a as a leader myself, as a manager myself, what, you know, what I tend to do, the way I tend to think about this is let's be inquisitive. Let's ask questions about um you know, maybe it, again, maybe I'm on a sales team and I'm looking at what's converting or I'm on a marketing team and I'm trying to figure out where my best leads are, are, are coming from and why, or I'm in HR and I'm trying to figure out where my best hires are coming from and why. So those are questions. And I, so I think it starts by 
as a leader, encouraging your team and your team members to ask questions and then answer those questions with data. It doesn't mean you have to exhaust, you know, and in, in, uh, analyze it to death, but start answering questions most of the time as, as much as possible with data. And so less opinions, more data. And then over time, you'll develop an intuition that comes from data and you'll be able to answer questions faster. And so that's, I think, a big part of the the path towards a data-driven culture is by seeking out answers to questions in data. And so as a leader, that's I, I think that's the most practical or tactical um, advice is to is to lean into answering questions with data. It's as it's as simple as that. And that starts changing behavior. Wow, that that's uh, that's really good. I really like that. Um, and just a quick for for just to, uh, for the uh, for the data citizen data scientists out there. <laughs> yeah. um, how, how do we you know, how, how do we improve our skills? Just as an well, individual. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there are there are platforms. Obviously, I'm biased towards the platform at QuantHub, but um, you know, I think in in general, when you think about uh, learning, it's not about going. So, in terms of data literacy, it's not about going and and looking at intro to data science courses. That's a lot of what's out there when you search data literacy. It's really sort of intro to data science and how that's sort of practical or useful in each person's day-to-day life, it's its its be, sort of beyond me. And mm. and so um, the way I like to think about it more, like I said earlier, is, is start learning a little bit every day. And yeah. uh, that's the way that's the way we work at QuantHub is is learn a little bit about sort of the actual data literacy skills, not AI and citizen data scientist, mm-hmm. highly tech stuff, but stuff that's relevant to all of us. Mm-hmm. And and so that's you know learning a little bit every day, treated as something that's a continuous journey, and and I think you're more likely to be successful. Great, super last closing tips. So um, for our listeners, we've been talking to Matt Cowell and he's the CEO at QuantHub. And QuantHub is a leading data and upskilling assessment platform that helps companies create data literate workforce across the entire enterprise. He has a wealth of knowledge as a product and tech executive and he's helping corporations close the the data skill gap. Um, And he's very passionate about the data fluency of individuals as well as organizations all over the world because he likes to focus on people. So if you'd like to learn more about his company, you can go to www.quanthub.com. And QuantHub is also on Facebook under at QuantHub Software. And if you'd like to reach out to Matt, you can reach out to Matt at on LinkedIn under Matt Cowell, and that's C-O-W-E-L-L. And he is also on Twitter uh, under at Matt Cowell. So Matt, thank you, thank you so much for for being with us. It was a really interesting discussion. Yeah, I appreciate um, you having me, Kimberly. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, if it's it's hard to believe, you know. We're half. We're at the end of the first month of 2022 now, and uh, wishing you uh, all the best for the next year. And thank you again. Yeah, I appreciate that. Same to you. And listeners, thank you for listening in. And please remember to tune in to us every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't worry. We're on every major podcast platform. And this. Uh, has also been brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's largest nonprofit 
associations focusing on digital transitions across all industries and with SMBs. And they're having a conference May 16th to 18th in Mallorca, Spain. Look them up on www.cinda.org. And with that, thank you and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.